When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody. It is June 11th, 2019, and this is the Wrestling Inc. Smackdown Live postgame show. I am your host for the evening, Michael Wiseman, and uh, we are experiencing some technical difficulties. It does not seem like the blueprint, Matt Morgan, will be able to join us on this show, unfortunately. However, hold those clicks on the X's. You guys getting ready to check out here. We have a special guest host with us, and, and I consider him kind of the OG of podcasting. He was podcasting before podcasts were a thing you might know him from between the ropes it used to be a syndicated radio show uh, down in the florida area went nationwide he is the godfather of podcasts he's also on sporting news been hitting up some major interviews lately i am joined by the one and only brian fritz what's going on brian thanks man yeah i was i was back doing shows when there was a thing called terrestrial radio that people actually listen to (laughs) (laughs) now now it's either sirius xm spotify or npr right basically yeah no, it's awesome to have you here. Again, so sorry here. We have been working with, with Matt for the last few minutes, but technical difficulties. He just tapped out and said he will not be able to join us. So um, unfortunately, that's happening. But we are still here to talk about SmackDown Live tonight, talk about a couple of other late-breaking news segments here with the Cesaro story and with what's happening here with the Raw ratings. We'll get to the, all that in a little bit here. Uh, but just want to thank you all for joining us. If you are watching us live right now on YouTube, you can join in in the chat. We do have a live chat going right alongside the video here. Uh, please get in there. Give us your thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll get a couple of shout outs here in a little bit to those guys as well. And if you like what we do here, please hit subscribe so you can hear all the video content we bring to you every week after every show. We are doing these post-game shows up here to talk about and break down everything that's happening here. So all that being said, all that out of the way, let's jump in here tonight. Of course, it's been a very newsworthy week. Um, SmackDown Live, Brian, I felt like we didn't get a whole lot of major news coming out of this show, um, but a solid show from top to bottom. What'd you think about it? It's just kind of a retread show right now. And, and I think it's, it, it's kind of a metaphor for where WWE is right now in that it just feels like they're not going anywhere. It's, it's just, they're doing stuff to fill up the time of TV that they have, but like, does anything really mean anything right now? Even when you talk about they're building up the stomping grounds coming up here in a couple of weeks, you know, that card right now looks like it's going to be a lot of rematches. There's not going to be anything really new or fresh on that. And that's kind of the way that I feel when it comes to, you know, weekly programming for WWE. Uh, absolutely. I, I feel like you're getting very metaphorical here, right? Does anything mean anything? What does all of this matter? What are we living for? What is existence? <laughs> yeah, but the weird thing is, too, it's just like, um, you know, a lot of times in WWE, you're sitting going, okay, what's the story for the night? And then what's what's the bigger story when it comes to whatever feud, rivalry, whatever you want to call it, you know, and you're hoping like, okay, is that going to be something that lasts two, three, four months and something you really sink your teeth into. And I feel like right now they don't have that. And, and the booking doesn't feel like we're doing something for long-term that people can get uh, really get behind. It feels like we're booking on a night to night basis. And even that doesn't feel new, fresh, or, or interesting a lot of times. Uh, I absolutely agree. And actually, I made the comment the other day. It feels like WWE is taking the path of least resistance to get to its next pay-per-view card. How can we pair up guys to make sure that we can go ahead and get these cards built? And then how how do we we just back into those storylines after we have all these things light out here? So speaking of long-term booking, right? We opened up with a long-term segment, which is, of course, Ms. TV. But it was a forced Ms. TV. Of course, he is being made to do this. Uh, by the, I would say the most over guy on the roster right now, Shane McMahon. And I, I got to tell you, this was a, you know, typical Miz TV, right? But I like the fact that Miz came out here and he, he immediately said, I must follow the script tonight, which I thought felt very meta, right? It feels like he's kind of calling back to the fact that Dean Ambrose just a few weeks ago on the podcast with Jericho was saying, yeah, they're scripting everything out. So WWE, is he, are, are they leaning into this a little bit or am I reading too much into that? <laughs> I don't think you are. It's almost like, hey, this is going to suck, but don't blame me. It's kind of the way I look yeah. at it. Like, yeah, yeah. hey, you know what? They're making me do this, but don't blame me for this <laughs> because I didn't want to do it. Right, right. <laughs> and, and normally the Miz is a guy that I know that you're a big fan of, and I like Miz a lot. We feel like 
he can make the most out of any situation. And he's sitting there telling you, hey, by the way, I don't want to do this. It's going to stink, but I'm going to do it anyway. And even I can't turn this around. Sure. So they gave this. And so Shane McMahon, Andrew McIntyre came out. They brought out Elias, who was dressed to the nines. I, I got it. You talk about the Miz being so, so great. And I'm a huge fan. There was a line in here, the pest in the world, right? He's having trouble reading it. I, what is this line I'm supposed to read for this man? Pest in the world. And I was like, this is a terrible line, right? It feels like WWE scripting, but it is a it is props to a true talent and their ability to get a line like that over because he took what I thought was a terrible line, said it enough times, got the audience behind it, and made it fairly entertaining. So so props and miss for that. But yeah, this was opening- better than when he first said it was breast in the world. Um, I think it was pest in the world. I think maybe kind of Shane McMahon's been a pest on WWE TV lately, right? I, but he said breast in the world for the first time. He said the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's true. So segment basically here setting up, you know, that these guys, there's still some heat here between Miz and Shane, you know, still finding some ways to talk about Shane McMahon bragging his victories over Roman Reigns, um, that he is. You know, Roman Reigns is 0-1 against Shane. The Miz is 0-1 against Shane. And really just putting all of this monster heat on Shane. 15-minute segment to kick off the show, set up the subsequent match. It was fine. I think it was a little bit long. We have all this spotlight on Shane McMahon, who I feel like we just have way too much focus on him on WWE TV right now. But, you know, it, it was just used to kind of set up the gauntlet match here. Nothing fancy about this segment. Your thoughts? I think that's right. I mean, there was nothing fancy about it. There's too much Shane McMahon on television right now. And I don't know what the end game to all of this is uh, when it comes to Shane. Is this going to lead to him uh, getting a shot at a world championship or or what's going on here? But regardless, it just, it feels like it's too much Shane and he's always getting the upper hand on everybody. And I know that people say, well, the end storyline will be, he will get his comeuppance, but it feels like that should have already happened and it's going on too long now to the point where it's, I think where people, you know, really get soured on it and in tune away. Uh, the, yeah. He's going to get his comeuppance, but my question is when is he going to get that come up? I mean, he highlighted here. He's one to know against, former world champions. He beat the Miz at WrestleMania. And, and I mentioned this on the show on Friday, the post super SmackDown or super showdown show say that five times fast. I mentioned that Shane McMahon looked good in victory against Roman Reigns. Like, yeah, he had to win kind of on a fluke, but they're making him look strong in these matches, which I find crazy. But that's so, a, what I find crazy about that though, is when it comes to for all that WWE has done and all the different things they've done with Roman Reigns in the past and have rode along with him. And then now that's a little bit of a different Roman since he has come back from his illness, that now it's just kind of like, well, we got to be a little bit more careful with the situation when it comes to Roman. And we just want to make sure people don't boom. And maybe the best way to do that is putting him in there with Shane. But then at the same time, you can't believe that Shane McMahon is a guy that's being Roman Reigns, who is the Superman, the top guy of the company. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And actually, I think what happens in this gauntlet match kind of highlights this even further. So segment set up a gauntlet match. And the whole thing was Shane said, if you beat Elias and Drew, you can fight me, Miz. I will give you that chance to avenge your loss from uh, WrestleMania and Extreme Rules. So, of course, the gauntlet match sets up. You know, they made the Miz look pretty good here. I like the segment with Elias. He used old school, did a double knee takedown, which I thought was a, a really neat maneuver. And um, but but they always have the baby, baby face kind of working from behind, which is such a strange strategy. Miz didn't really get much offense in with Elias. Kind of came back and won surprisingly there. But Drew dominated the Miz. And the Miz is light out there in the ring. Shane comes in and says, hey, you want that match, Miz? I'll give it to you. And I thought this was going to be a simple, let me get in there and pin you. But instead, they flipped the script here and had the Miz kind of fight back into this. And he almost hit his finisher. Shane McMahon blocks the finisher, <laughs> essentially, and then locked in an armbar for the win. And I don't understand, again, why do they have to go out of their way to make Shane look strong and convincing, right? He was able to block the Miz's finisher and use an armbar to beat the Miz instead of just getting an easy pinfall victory here, which would have given him the same amount of heat, you know? Well, this is their way of getting heat, you know, when it comes to him. And he's got to put on that, um, you call it an armbar. It's supposed to be a triangle, but yeah. um, it's a triangle armbar, right? Is that what it's? it's whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a train wreck because it's, 
it's not properly applied and i and i know it's going to be a little <laughs> bit different than mma but at the same time like it looks nothing like something you would do in mma and um this is what they want to do with shane mcmahon right now like he's he's kind of their king of the mountain from the standpoint that he's every time he gets in the ring he's finding a way to win and he takes advantage of the situation and hey the first 30 minutes of smackdown were filled with shane mcmahon yeah. for the most well, part and that's this, just too much this triangle you mentioned the technique here for for shane mcmahon and it reminds me of his punches right his punches and kicks all feel very they don't feel technical in the way that a seasoned professional wrestler are able to deliver these. And then this maneuver is the exact same way, as opposed to if you just had Shane McMahon, I don't know, put his foot on a laid out Miz and take the three count, it would have the exact same effect. I know I'm picking nits here, y'all, but again, too much Shane McMahon on TV is just making parts of this product a little bit of a chore. Hey, they could have had Drew McIntyre lose. And I thought he was going to lose, not, not by pin, but I thought he was going to be counted out or uh, lose uh, via DQ, and they at least didn't do that. It's true. Drew McIntyre did look very strong here, and and I do think the one surprise for me is I thought this pairing with Drew would be really bad for Drew, and they've given him a lot of chances to have a whole lot of offense and look strong in, in matches like this. So I, I dig that about what they're doing here with Shane McMahon. I don't like it okay. because I think it I I think it minimizes drew mcintyre and what he could and should be doing right now but don't you think they're going to spin out of this and do something different with him hopefully well they're going to be doing him against roman reigns again at stomping grounds bringing that back from wrestlemania sure and i don't think drew's going to win that match i i think you're probably right but also i could see a scenario where shane mcmahon interferes to help him so maybe but even then does that does that really help him I think so. I mean, you know, a win's a win, right? Maybe there's a fluke here and Drew gets a win. I think Drew did look strong here. And I think yeah. these attacks do make him look like a beast, whether or not he's got the wins and losses to back it up right now, right? I mean, wins and yeah. losses don't matter. What is this? Professional I wrestling? Know. I just <laughs> want to get him away from, from Shane. Yeah, I mean, he's his own man. I, I, I just think that he's one of the stronger characters and yeah. figures that they have right now. Sure. And I just want to see him do more. And it just feels like he's being minimized in this role. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And I would love to see him have an actual honest to goodness singles run on his own. But I think it's still better than where he was with maybe even Dolph Ziggler a while back. So yeah, but we keep waiting for this. We're like, all oh, right, they're gonna do this, and then and then Drew's gonna go off on his own, he's gonna do something. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Like with with Dolph, and then you had that with um with Elias and with Lashley. Okay, after he gets out of this, he'll do something on his own. And he did have the match with, with Roman at, at WrestleMania, and yeah, he lost that, but that that's fine. I mean, yeah, you can understand that. And then all right after WrestleMania be on his own. Well, now he's with Shane. Yeah. So we transitioned out of this opening, this opening gauntlet match into um, what I thought was a strange backstage segment. Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose pick on Ember Moon. She gets mad at them. So I, I get they're picking on her. She was standing up for Carmella from what happened last week. And she gets mad at them. And then she slings a trash can across the hallway here in this kind of bizarre fit of anger outrage i didn't think she looked particularly good in this i think they were going for that she's unhinged and the line they said was don't they know what they've just done but it just made her look real real cray you know yeah and i thought you were going to be uh totally offended because they knocked her nintendo switch out of her hand <laughs> oh did she oh yeah she did did she miss that i saw it and then i, I lost track. i thought it was a tablet at first come on guys it's e3 week we can't be insulting video gamers god no it sets up the match later on in the night then transition from there into daniel bryan and eric rowan versus local talent oh, it's I'm just sorry. rowan, rowan no <laughs> we can't have first names in this company somewhere Come on. vince mcmahon is cursing me up a storm right now because i hit one of those banned words that is first names so i like how have you felt about the daniel bryan rowan pairing here i've liked it so far and i think they found a way to maximize rowan being away from or being part of a different tag team. And I think a lot of this is just kind of the, the speaking points of Daniel Bryan and knowing where to fit in Rowan when it comes to what he does in the ring. Yeah, they, they make such a great pairing. And I, I think he he calls back to Rowan so much. So a couple of things going on here. Uh, they are coming out for a tag team unification championship match against the Yolo County tag team champions who had, I think, Brian, you know, I love the classic Attitude Era belt. I know you love the big gold belt, right? Randy Savage behind you, he's got the wingtip belt on him, but these have got to be the best design 
championship belts of all time in a WWE ring. Was that built out of cardboard <laughs> and marker, a Sharpie, whatever this was, right? Somebody has some great penmanship though. I mean, there's straight lines on that. Those things. I mean, they did a really good job. With that. My wife leans over and says, I want to, I want the job designing that championship belt for, for WWE. I want to know how carefully somebody took the scissors to cutting the cardboard. Or did they use an exacto knife? Yes. And what was going on here? Can we get one of those, like, you know how they do the paintings where they show how the paintings come to life and they make them? Can mm -hmm. we get one of those for the design of the championship? Can here? we get the the, uh, the Bob Ross of uh, title belt making? Yes. <laughs> and then you draw a nice little line. And then oh, you the, draw trees, the trees, the trees, the happy little trees. <laughs> no, so these, these guys here, um, one of the guys, AJ Kirsch, if you recognized him, uh, former guy, he was from the Stone Cold edition of Tough Enough, I believe. Sure. But I, I follow him on Twitter, a really great guy. So he's out here with this other dude, the Yolo County Tag Team Champions. And instead of facing Daniel Bryan and Rowan, they end up facing Heavy Machinery, which to be fair, I thought this was actually a pretty good segment for Heavy Machinery. Came out, looked strong, very quickly dispatched with these guys. And then Rowan so pissed off at the end. All oh, these guys got to win, trying to go into the ring to attack Heavy Machinery, Daniel Bryan holding him back. I, I thought that Heavy Machinery came across looking probably the best they've looked so far on the main roster. They got to do something with them right now because, I mean, that tag team division uh, on both brands, but especially on SmackDown, is looking pretty rough right now. Sure. And Heavy Machinery looks like they're going to get the next uh, title shot at, at stomping ground. So got to try to do something with those guys here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen with them. Um, I, I'm just glad to see a little bit of a more serious wrestling side and like a less goofy, I'm going to go around and me so angry kind of whatever's going on there. Yeah. So we, we go from here. We have the Sonya Deville Carmella match uh, kind of teased earlier in the night with the Ember Moon segment. I, I thought this was actually, um, oh, I almost forgot, Brian, the, the segment of the night as it is every night on WWE TV outside of Firefly Funhouse. And that would be the most prestigious championship, the 24-7 title, R-Truth, Carmella in the back. It's getting more airtime than any other title. R-Truth <laughs> is just, man, you know, I said this the other night on Twitter, which is, we were also down on this championship in these segments. And I think it's just truth's dedication to his work here, but these segments are hugely entertaining and make me laugh every time. And uh, truth gets locked into an equipment box here. But um, I, I just thought again, truth is just hamming it up and selling this title. You, you can't do this forever, but I still liked it. Yeah. There's different things I, that, you know, I, <laughs> I laugh about. I, I think the, the two people that make the 24 seven title, the best, um, or they make the most out of those segments or truth, obviously. And there's Drake Maverick. Sure. The way that Drake is with the things that he does is, is great. But I mean, you look at Monday night and everybody like, for whatever reason, they're five feet away from truth and, and they can't like get to the elevator before it closes somehow. <laughs> I'm like, how, how is that possible? Like did somebody like spill something slippery on the ground or what's going on here? But um, I, well, I, I mean, honestly wondered how much really like grabbed these segments and, and make it made them his own. I honestly wonder what that elevator you're talking about. How long did they have to oh. try to like, how do you, how do you time that? Right. Cause you press the, you know how elevators are, you press the button and it closes. And I guarantee you WWE probably didn't. I, maybe they did. Maybe they had the key and they had like fireman access or whatever. So they could control that door the took forever to close. <laughs> it's like hit the door close button on the inside of that truth. Carmelo, <laughs> what are you doing? Protect your man and protect the title. Hit it. By the way, can we also bring up this little loophole with everything? Wasn't it like, just a week ago where truth was in the back going, this title is going to kill me, man. He goes, I just can't handle it anymore. You know, the people, I, I have to defend this 24, seven, 365. And, and now he's like doing everything he can to hold on to this title. In fact, he lost it in Saudi Arabia or on the plane right there. And then he international waters, international right. waters, but he <laughs> wanted it back. It's just like, if you don't want it anymore, if it's ruining your life, then why are you so hell bent on winning the <laughs> damn thing back? My favorite thing here is how they suspended the 24-7 rule a few weeks ago on SmackDown for a, a, a pretty meaningless, you know, what was it, a tag match or three-on-three match? Right. And then they sent him to Saudi Arabia and then decided not to use our truth The rumor I heard was that because they didn't want the 24-7 title to be a distraction from the Battle Royal. And I'm just like, could you have explained that with just exact, the exact same thing again, right? Here's what I thought they were going to do. I thought you were going to put the 50 people in the Battle Royal, including Truth, and then everybody's eyes were going to go crazy going, I'm going to get my hands on this guy because if I pin him, even though it's a battle Royal, but sure. there is, there are referees there. 
And I thought what was going to happen is everybody's going to kind of look at truth. He was going to jump over the top rope and eliminate himself. And half of the other guys in the ring were going to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that would have cleared out like half of that match. That I, been I amazing. thought that was going to be the idea. And then they just chase him up the rampway into the back. And it's just oh, like, man. we just brought 25 guys over here just to do that. one. <laughs> it would have been a great spot. You could have used that in video packages for years to come. I, I think, you know, we talk about our truth here. Carmella definitely getting a rub from this title as well. She's getting a lot more airtime. She's being treated softer, a little bit more like a baby face, which I appreciate about her. And and honestly, this is kind of the story of, of SmackDown the night for me, which is how much time they spent with some of the women on the roster and women who don't get a lot of that exposure otherwise. And so Carmella, after this, she had to leave truth locked in a box in the back to go fight. Um, she was fighting Sonya Deville out there and this match got a few minutes. You know, of course we end up getting the Mandy Rose interference, which eventually, um, cost Carmella the match, but I, I thought it was good for a couple of reasons, right? Cause Carmella did, I know you don't like to say this. She, she looked strong in defeat. She looked pretty competent, but also it set up Sonya Deville, um, and Mandy Rose as potential challengers for the kind of absent, uh, women's tag team championship. Well, see, I'm I'm somebody that's always been big on Sonya Deville. When she was on Tough Enough, I really thought she was going to win, or I thought she was going to be one of the breakout uh, women from that, along with Mandy. And um, I've always been a proponent of hers, and I'm, I'm glad that she's doing well. I mean, I think people are really starting to realize that, and she's really coming into her own when it comes to what she can do in the ring. So I'm glad that she's just not there to be somebody that walks alongside Mandy. Sure, absolutely. She's kind of getting her own character. And I, you're right. People, I mean, I think we all kind of thought Mandy might be the one who gets the spotlight because she's kind of got the prototypical WWE look. And Sonya Deville has so much to offer that I'm glad to see them capitalizing on that here. So speaking of women, again, we're kind of building here. Alexa Bliss joining us with Nikki Cross. And again, the manipulation continues here. Alexa Bliss saying, oh, Bailey, she's not talking trash about you. And I wanted to bring the segment up because I love the fact that Alexa Bliss went out of her way to actually block Bailey on social media so she could show that to the camera. Nice little touch there. Um, but it set up a match between her and uh, Nikki Cross and Bailey later in the night. Do you think Alexa, though, has a burner account so she can still keep tabs on what Bailey could be saying about her? <laughs> Did you, oh, yeah. Does that what it, she has a burner account to follow that? I think she has like tweet deck up at home. And yeah. She has, she's, she's following them with one. And yeah, no, it's um, it's good work there. Whatever you can kind of tie in real technology. I think it's a nice little attention to detail. It's Absolutely. not props. I know Vince McMahon loves his props. They're not true props, right? So this is, I just want to bring this up. They did this twice tonight on the show, Brian. And that is they hyped Jetta. They talked way more about Super Showdown than I thought they would. And they show these video packages and the takeaway from the announcers was, quote, WWE is the only form of sports entertainment that's truly cross-culture. It's in every country in the world. I thought that was a dig at AEW and a dig at AEW's kind of diversity play here. Well, they did that same tagline on Monday for yeah. Raw. And I'm not, I, I think that's just one of those other things where whether it's a dig at another company or not, it's another way of just propping themselves up. That's sure. kind of the way that I look at it, but it's like another another feather in their own cap. Like, oh, what's another way that we can utilize this without, you know, looking at the negativity of it and trying to put this in our own, you know, spin in our own way to where um, we can say we did something that uh, nobody else is doing. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I, I just think it's interesting they went out of their way to talk about how they are truly the cross. I mean, it's a weird, it's like the, you know, most rated, highest rated Monday night, most consistent, whatever, whatever of all time for the last 20 years, right? It's oddly specific and it carves out a niche for themselves. What other show considers themselves like cross-cultural sports entertainment broadcast, right? It's like when you go to like, you're talking about like in the NBA, like he's the first guy in the last 20 years <laughs> Who in game one and game five of the NBA playoffs averaged 20 points, six rebounds, five assists, and two blocks. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like you're paring it down to like the most specific terms possible. Yeah, it's it's like the guy that has to find those data points to talk about. I always feel bad for his job. And Christian Prince in the chat room points this out. WWE is the only sports entertainment company. So, of course, they can say that about pretty much anything they do. So, it is what it is. So we get here about halfway through the show, New Day segment. We have the return of Biggie tonight, which has kind of been one of the big storylines coming into SmackDown. 
New Day is back together. Great, fun promo coming from these guys, interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, giving his impassioned speech, and, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So they could kind of hype their three-on-three match later in the night. And, again, it, it, you know, my favorite part of this is Dolph Ziggler says he's so excited to get Kofi Kingston in the cage because, finally, Kofi Kingston will have nowhere to run. Nobody can interfere. It'll just be mano a mano. And I'm thinking, Dolph, have you not seen a cage match in the last 20 years? There's always interference in a steel cage match unless they put a top on it and uh, somebody legit eats the key to the lock right but even then even in this like the hell somebody will break out a blowtorch and would open the door come on hell in a cell the second hell in a cell match had kane ripping off the door right so uh oh i know it was the first one first it was the first one the first one that was the king's introduction i mean we saw a cage match where the giant where Paul white, as he was called, then came up through the mat. And that's how he made his introduction. <laughs> he was just waiting all night. You know, they'll see, I'll show him. Somebody can get into this He's down there with a six pack and a monitor. Our truth all night beside him on the back of that table, holding his 24 seven title. Alistair black, Brian, here's the thing I want to talk about. Alistair Black has been giving us these promos for weeks and weeks and weeks. And tonight he kind of upped the game, said nobody nobody still wants to fight him. Nobody's still ready to challenge him yet. And he said, open the door, let somebody in. These promos have been a very different look on us, especially if you don't know him from NXT. But even if you do, it's still a, a different look at Alistair Black. What do you think about the way he's being used here? I'm surprised they haven't done, well... I guess this is the formula that WWE does now where they put somebody in the ring for like to introduce him to everybody. And then they back off a little bit, but they are giving him airtime. It's just, it's a different kind of way to portray Aleister Black from what we saw in NXT, because he wasn't a guy that typically got a lot of promo time in NXT. And now they're doing these backstage vignettes. So I guess they're trying to add a little depth to the character here. What are we learning about him though? Other than I just want the fight. That's why I'm here. I want to fight somebody and nobody wants to fight me. Yeah. I, I mean, these, these do feel a little bit heavier scripted, right? And so here's what you've interviewed Alistair Black. And I've, I've talked to him before as well. If you've listened to him in interviews, you know that Alistair Black is actually a very deeply intellectual individual. And so the thing I do like about these segments is I think they pull some of that out, the way he talks, the tie, the look. He, he just feels almost like the college professor, not like goofy college professor, but like deep philosophical minister, college professor-y. I, I don't know how else to put it, but just kind of this guy that has so much insight into the world, um, contained but full of deep rage, right? So I, I think it kind of fits in with what I would think Alistair Black is like in real life. I'm wondering who they're going to put him with in there first. Speculation in the chat room right now. People are saying Bray Wyatt, right? Bray Wyatt hammered on the door last night. There's a door in Firefly Funhouse. Well, I mean, they can do that. I just wonder, are we getting too much in like this existential world when it comes to the two characters that kind of seem that like they would fit in that and putting them together, especially immediately. I, I would think maybe you put them against other people that maybe they meet down the road. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, I, I think it would be too much for both of these guys. And also, I think Bray Wyatt and Aleister Black are doing something interesting enough on their own that I would I don't want to see them just kind of push together just because I think it would ruin kind of both gimmicks right now. But we'll see. I know we're in this gray time when it comes to baby faces and heels. But if you had to characterize Aleister Black as one, which would it be? I would say based off the level of anger that I saw. I would probably say a heel. Yeah. I think it almost feels like he's talking down to the audience. And on the other hand, Bray Wyatt smashed a bunny last night. And I would say that he's a baby face. So well, it's because it has some sweet taste of marmalade in it. <laughs> That's right. You didn't know that. That's right. Put the kids to bed. It's the 10 PM hour, right? So we have a uh, following up Alistair black Bailey and Nikki cross have their match. And um, it was logical. Again, Bailey looks strong in victory here. Nikki cross didn't get a ton of offense pushing forward Bailey towards her matchup with Alexa bliss at stomping grounds. Right. So uh, we're going to get there. Eh, it is what it is. Thoughts. Anything. I mean, Hey, Bailey's the champion. She should win in uh in pretty easy fashion. So unfortunately it's Nikki cross is the person that doesn't get much offense. I know sure. some people are going to be upset about that, but Hey, you know what? That's, that's her role right now. And with Bailey being the champion her being in there and they haven't done anything with Nikki yet. 
Yeah, that is the unfortunate piece here. Nikki's the one kind of getting lost in shuffle here and and playing, you know, Alexa Bliss as lackey. I, she is getting some screen time, which is good for her. And Alexa Bliss is kind of playing it right. So, but, but it does make Nikki Cross look kind of dumb. Um, and like, to your point, she didn't get much offense. She didn't do much here. So what are they going to do with her after this? I, I'm hoping what this means is that at some point, possibly at stomping grounds, or maybe the raw afterwards, Nikki Cross wisens up to how she's being manipulated and turns on Alexa Bliss, and we get a little feud between those two because that would be great for Nikki Cross. And I think what everybody wants to see is her flipper lid and go back to the Nikki Cross we saw in NXT. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We 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 got the follow up. Our truth got locked in the the supply box earlier in the evening. We got the follow up here. Jinder Mahal looking around for him finds him. And, you know, here's what kills me about this segment, though, right? So Jinder Mahal went away to get a crowbar to open this back up. And the camera is just moving so freaking much. This scene literally made me motion sick because it's supposed to convey panic, right? But it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And and I just, again, WWE needs to work on some of these production flourishes because it's too much sometimes. Don't you think? They missed, oh, yeah. They, they missed a golden opportunity here, though, because... Truth is screaming, and the forklift driver somehow doesn't hear him. <laughs> Shouldn't he have said, what's in the box? What's in the box? I, I think the forklift driver should have been the one to open up the box and, and steal the 24-7 title. That would have been a fun twist, right? Well, Truth comes out, and he's just shocked, like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. I, I think this really felt like, to me, as an excuse for them not to have to update us on the 24-7 title over the next week. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. So uh, we did get something interesting backstage with Apollo Crews and, and Apollo Crews, of course, got beat up last week by Andrade. So they interviewed him and he kind of came out with this impassioned speech. Apollo Crews, again, one of those guys who has been dramatically underused since being on the main roster. And I thought he looked really strong here, kind of calling out saying, I'm not going to be an afterthought to Andrade. I know he's focused on Finn, but I'm here. Zelina Vega came out, interrupted him, talked down to him and said, you know, better don't cross Andrade or you'll never wrestle again. I like the exchange here. It was a small segment, but I thought it told the next logical step in an Andrade Apollo Cruz feud. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's small, but it felt like the right kind of pro wrestling. What'd you take on it? Yeah. I'm, I'm still not convinced they're going to do anything with Apollo though. And, um, I think the other thing too, was Chad Gable was part of that segment. Sure. And when I first saw him, I, I literally thought he was wearing a toupee. <laughs> he, his hair, right? His hair just looks funny. Is it just that it's been matted down over the years of what the it wrestling just, it was just different the way that it was styled, but I literally thought like, does he have a toupee on? Are they doing something with that? And I was like, no, 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 that's his hair. And he's like taking notes. So I have no idea what they're going to do with him and we'll find out. But, um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Apollo, I think I think they want to make him look a little bit stronger here to once again go against Andrade, but I'm I'm not convinced they're gonna do anything more than just have him be a good, strong, you know, opponent for him, but so it'll mean a little bit more, you know, when Andrade beats him. Yeah, you're probably right. I probably have my hopes up a little bit too much. I just like the focus on mid-card feuds again, and I yeah. like the focus on like smaller guys kind of having something to do. And I, I think SmackDown did a lot of that tonight, which is let's give people who don't have – they're not on Raw. They're not a part of the – what is it? the tw Not the 24-7 rule, but the shake-up rule. What's the rule now called? Oh, the wild card rule? The wild card rule, right? They're not part of the wild card rule. So they give people time to invest in people like Sonya Deville – like Apollo Crews here. And, and I think that's what you've got to do to build future stars because segments like this are what takes us to future segments of Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out and getting the reactions he got in The Rock and so on and so forth. you got to start small to get big. I thought tonight did build some of those bridges. But then at the same time, and I know we're going to get to the main event, but when you talk about guys, not, not necessarily Dolph Ziggler right now, but especially with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, the way that they are used week after week it's kind of like they can be intriguing characters in the way that they talk. But in the end, do you really believe that they're going to do anything in the ring? Because the shows on a regular basis for like the last three weeks, I think, have ended with either Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn losing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and these guys are, you know, former world champion in Kevin Owens and, and a huge star of Sami Zayn. They lost. Now, I think let's talk about the main event for a minute. I will argue tonight's main event 
you had to have the new day go over, right? They're returning. It's yes. the return of Big E. It's you know they're trying to hype them up as being the next Shield. I think that makes sense. But it's just obvious when, once Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are in there, especially Sami, and I and I like Sami a lot. But once he's in there, I mean, it was just going through my mind, going, "Okay, Sami is going to lose." Sure, they're going to have a back and forth match. Okay, they just started at what forty after, and yeah. it's going to go to the top of the hour, and you know, Sammy's going to lose. And there at the end, I'm sitting going, okay, Dolph's in the ring. And then Sammy makes a blind tag and the announcers recognize it. I'm like, I think we know what's going to happen next. And that's exactly what happened. Well, they're using, that's a spot that Ziggler has played many times over the years, which is they put him in with other big names and he's the guy to take the pinfall to protect the bigger names. But because Ziggler's in this title match at stomping grounds next weekend, you had to protect Dolph here. And so you put Sami Zayn in that position because Sami Zayn, outside of just being a general heel, doesn't have a whole lot going on and he's not being used in any other kind of fashion right now. Right. And like, you know, I know like you, you know, to compare this, like what I said before, Nikki Cross is like, everybody has the role at that time and not everybody's going to be on top, but at the same time, it just feels so predictable and so overdone, you know, with, with Nikki, I mean, yeah, she lost, but I mean, it's like the first time they've really used her for that. But with like, with Sammy and with Kevin, it's happening week after week after week. They're, they're on a certain pattern with it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So there were some fantasy booking going on. You know, people were like, oh, Big E's coming back. He's going to turn on the new day. We're going to get a Big E Kofi feud. No, no, no. <laughs> Will that happen in this calendar year? Could Big E be the reason that Kofi Kingston, who I think has been booked wonderfully since WrestleMania, could Big E be the reason that Kofi Kingston loses his prestigious WWE World Heavyweight Championship? No. Um, the New Day is never breaking up. Those guys Ever. do not want to break up. Um, they've talked about that plenty of times that they don't want to break up. And I don't think it makes sense. I mean, we're so conditioned as wrestling fans to think that, you know, a faction or a tag team is going to stay together um, for a, you know, a finite period of time and they're going to break up. Somebody's going to turn on, on the other people. The New Day haven't done that yet. And those guys have been very open going, why are you wishing this upon us? We're all good friends. We've made this act work. We're better you know, as a group, even before we were the new day, uh, we weren't working out. So why would we want to break this up? They want to stay together. And I think WWE sees the value in it, especially when it comes to merchandise. So I don't think they're going to break them up. I, I mean, I think from a short-term storytelling perspective, like what we got with the shield, there is that little twinge of like, Ooh, that could be good. But I think you're right. They sell so much merch. They reach out to the kids. They love traveling together and doing this act. They share pancakes with the world. Right. right I man. ate one of those pancakes at a show one time. What? And you got food poisoning because it had been sitting in. Back I did and- not. <laughs> I did not. And I, I, I got overcome by the moment. I, I, I flat out admitted I did catch a pancake. How, how did they and, compare to IHOP? Well, like, mm, on the IHOP I haven't scale. had IHOP in a long time, so I don't know. But I, I did catch a pancake. Um, I immediately put it in my mouth and posed for some unknown reason. And as the <laughs> night went on, I was hungry and I was nibbling at it. Mm. You, they make these things called concession stands where you can buy and, all the food you want. I know. And then somebody actually told me later, like, um, just think about like how many hands probably touched that backstage or yep. anything. I don't, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was overcome by the moment. I was with some friends. So. And then a week later you were overcome by the flu. So that's no, I actually survived. <laughs> that's how germs work. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I, I I think that after I had that pancake, I can't be sick for the rest of my life. I think it's kind of emboldened my cells. That's like <laughs> so you get tougher, right? You're built up. Maybe. I built up immunity. You're Vince McMahon who never gets sick, right? Don't I'm immune to everything now. Bring That's in right. the smallpox. I can take it. But before we get to a couple other breaking news things um, here, let's just talk about SmackDown. I think you're right. Filler show. We talked about the top of the hour. Any thoughts going forward? You excited about SmackDown next week? Um, how you feeling, Fritzy? They've got to feel better about it because um, the NBA playoffs will be <laughs> over by then. So um, let's talk about the first piece of news that I think, you know, uh, that's it's really big deal. Actually, let's let's get to that in a second. Cesaro, simple update, y'all. And, and, and Brian, fill me in here if I miss anything. But if you watched Raw last night, he took, uh, you know, Ricochet hit, hit a move. Uh, what's this? The 630. I want to say 620, and I'm like, no, it's, yeah, he's at 630, 619 right now, 630 right on Cesaro's knee, right? Normally hits the move right across the stomach and chest, hit it on the knee, um, and Cesaro looked like he was in pain, right? Rolled outside the ring, referee called for backup, came out there. 
as turns out Cesaro is fine. Um, luckily Cesaro did not sustain any kind of injury from this. Um, it looks like Cesaro is going to be okay. Uh, I think the update was that, yeah, all is good, right? No injuries. Yeah. I mean, it looked bad in the moment and he had to be helped to the back. And I don't know how much of that was him selling or not. And I'm sure no matter what it was legit sore because you saw the way that he reacted the second sure. he got hit with that. But, um, luckily it looks like he's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to answer this. Okay. Somebody asked in the chat room, don't sneeze in front of Vince. What kind of weird stuff is that? So Vince is a germaphobe. If you don't know Vince McMahon, you should, because you're a pro wrestling fan. He is a massive germaphobe and does not like people sneezing around him. Yeah. The there, and there's, there's a lot of stories about how Vince looks down on somebody for sneezing and has even yelled at himself for sneezing before for not being able to contain it. <laughs> Instead, he's like, damn it, you know, yeah. and he sneezes. So. Speaking and of by the yelling, way, he also hates smokers, so don't uh, don't smoke in front of Vince either. Vaping? How does he feel about vaping? Oh, I'm sure he does not like the vaping. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Vince yelling and being angry, I uh, bet there's some you know frustration in Stanford tonight because Raw dropped to another record low this week. You mentioned the NBA playoffs a little bit ago. The third hour of Raw had a huge drop-off. And so here's what we're looking at. Um, this was the lowest non-holiday Raw viewership in history. The only shows to draw lower numbers were the 2018 New Year's Eve and 2018 Christmas Eve, just about six months back. And it says that this is the second lowest third-hour viewership in show history behind the April 29th episode. Um, Raw was number six. So here's how the ratings break down. Um, the, the first hour drew 2.38 million viewers. Second hour drew 2.086 million viewers, and the final hour dropped down to a 1.909 million viewers, which is notable because it is a steep drop-off from last week's third hour, which had 2.349 million viewers. What do you make of this, Brian? It's not surprising, considering what they've been doing with programming and then going up against uh, a big NBA game in the finals. I mean, I think we expected the numbers to be pretty bad, and uh, they were bad, especially during that third hour. I mean, if you look, once the game began, which is just after 9 o'clock, so hour one to hour two, ratings fell over 12%, and then they dropped another 8.5% between hour two and hour three. And, I mean, the most intriguing part of that game wasn't until Raw was actually off the year. Sure. But it wasn't an, an interesting game throughout. I mean, there was a chance that the NBA uh, champions were going to be crowned that night, and there was there was a lot of drama in that game. But I don't think anybody was surprised, considering the programming that WWE gave you. And then you had this huge NBA game that had over 18 million viewers. So, I mean, that that number does not surprise me at all. I mean, maybe the thing that does surprise me is – I thought maybe it was going to be lower. I, I had kind of wondered if even the second hour was going to dip below 2 million viewers. Obviously, it didn't. But, I mean, if you go back to last week to this week, um, when it comes to their average, I mean, they last week they averaged 2.41 million. This week was 2.13. So, I mean, they dropped almost, um, almost 300,000 viewers. Yeah, I, I think you're right. To me, the most surprising thing is it didn't go any lower considering this was a championship game potentially. And I wonder, my question is, is this, have we kind of reached the bottom of the barrel? I think there's obviously some overlap here between WWE and NBA, right? There are some fans who watch generic sports entertainment or sports, and they could possibly have been watching that game. But the fact that it didn't go any lower does that mean WWE is kind of kind of going to settle in around this? Or do you think WWE could go even lower if, because let's keep in mind too, folks, this was a show that was following up what they called a WrestleMania equivalent, right? So this was, you know, typically raw gets a boost right after a pay-per-view did not seem to get that boost this week. Brian, do you think this is going to be kind of where the product settles out on bad weeks or are we going to go back to lows we saw at the end of 2018? It probably will settle out, but I mean, I can see a scenario where they get lower and I understand like they don't have the NBA to go up against anymore. They won't even have the NHL. So, I mean, the only sport right now will be baseball. However, I think this gets to a point where people say, Hey, there are other things other than just sports that could draw me away. There's other programming uh, that's out there, whether it's, you know, um, stuff that's on your basic cable. Or people want to go to Netflix, they want to go to Hulu, wherever they want to go. So I think it's still incumbent on WWE to pick up the pace when it comes to the um, programming. And I know that this is kind of, hey, we're in that, that 
summer lull that they seem to do every year. And then now you're going to crank it up coming up here because SummerSlam is, isn't going to be that far away. So I would say they probably do settle in here, but I'm, I'm not going to be somebody that says that's definitely going to happen. And they can't go any lower because I think people are now looking at the programming. And if they're not intrigued, they'll be, they'll still find something else. There's, there's plenty of other things that you can do besides, you know, watch raw or watch SmackDown every week. Um, that can interest you if you don't like what WWE is doing. Absolutely. Right. WWE is not just competing with the other 10, 15, 20 shows that are majorly out there at the same time they are. Right. And I mean, majorly as in like we got reruns on the Paramount network or whatever. Right. But there are a number of shows that come on Monday nights at the exact same time. They're not just competing with the NBA finals. WWE is also competing with your access to Netflix and Hulu being two clicks away and the bachelor, the bachelorette, you know, whatever shows are on. So, I mean, it, they've got to do something to to pick up the pace, you know, and freshen it up. I'm not, exa- I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say I have the answers to it. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do, but yeah, they, they got to do something because if you have a number this low and you don't have an NBA finals, like say next week, the ratings are still the same sure. or maybe even a tick lower. Does, I mean, you, you can't blame the NBA finals on that. What do you yeah. blame at that point? I mean, you have to look inwards. I mean, you, you look back at last week, ratings went up a little bit, but you also advertised The Undertaker. You advertised heavily a cash-in from Brock Lesnar that didn't happen. And I'm wondering if some of this isn't, fans are kind of getting pissed off about these promises not being delivered. We're going to change the product, and that doesn't happen. I You know, I can see what I want to see on YouTube with R-Truth. I think all of these things, I think some of this is fan fatigue. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, man. And I, and I don't know what else they can do to put a Band-Aid on the problem from a standpoint like, are you going to just do some big storyline? You're going to do a big match yeah. just to try to fix things for the one week. And, and I think people look at that and they'll just be like, um, I know that's a gimmick. you know. And there's only so many times you can put Goldberg out there or The Undertaker. Even if, say, they're going to do something at SummerSlam, you're not going to do anything with those guys right now. They're not going to be on stomping grounds. Spoiler alert, everybody. I promise (laughs) you, they're not going to be on stomping grounds in Tacoma, Washington in two weeks, okay? So, I mean, if you're going to use those guys, you're going to use them on one of your bigger pay-per-views, and you still got two months before you get to SummerSlam. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's where you see them put more creative juices behind it, you know. So, it's going to be a summer lull. I'm worried about it. You know, I think I would... I'm not saying I'm not doom and gloom. I'm not saying we're going to see these numbers get down to like a 1.6 or whatever else. Right. But, but I think these could be our consistent numbers over the summer when we don't have the guys like Brock Lesnar and and we kind of go back to business as usual. And if I were a Fox executive right now, I'm not saying you made a bad investment. Don't think that whatsoever, but I can see them wanting a much more hands-on approach coming into these summer months. If this number happens again, say the next two weeks, when they're not going up against an NBA finals, Mm -hmm. I would predict that Brock will cash in and will take the uh, WWE, probably the universal championship. All right. Cause that seems to be the fallback. Yeah. And they've got Brock there and they've already done the tease four times. And my guess is we're paying this guy as much money as we have been. And maybe we need to get him on TV a little bit more. And I would think that maybe they'll put the title on. Yeah. Could be. We'll see. So um, any other thoughts, opinions, news, worthy things to talk about before we get off the air here, Brian? Anything comes to mind? I think the other other big thing that people have talked about today is that when AEW does Fighter Fest coming up here, it's going to be uh, for free on uh, on the Bleacher Report app, which is BR Live. And I know there's been some questions about that. People go, okay, well, I've got to have the app. So how much does that cost? Well, the app is free. The I mean there 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 are certain programs you can pay for to watch, but to sign up for the app, it is free, and they're going to make uh, Fighter Fest free on the app, which is huge. And I, I talked about this on the Winkly earlier today. The BR app is still on my phone right here. If it can come into focus, right right beside the Burger King app, the app is. You have a Burger King app? <laughs> you eat a Burger King? I got like a big discount on the uh, Whopper last week. I didn't solve the app. They have Surge. I love Surge. Who doesn't love Surge? Do they have Cheerwine? They do not have Cheerwine, unfortunately, a, a Carolina tradition here. No. This is a thing where the BR app was on my phone because I watched the previous AEW event on it, and they're going to let me keep it on my phone so I can keep watching these events. So I think it's a smart play to have this event be free because you're going to have people installing this app for the first time. If this is truly their platform moving forward, it's the right way to go, giving this event away for free. Right now, 
wrestling fans want something good and and Fifty dollar pay per view did not mind paying for that because it was such a big deal last month. But you give something away for free now, it means your fans are more likely to pay that fifty bucks again when it comes back due. I think they're going to do the traditional pay per view round like three or four times a year um, for their bigger events. But when it comes to other monthly things like uh, Fighter Fest or even uh, Fight for the Fallen. I think those are going to be free on BR Live. And it's a smart move from a standpoint of, I think it, it's an easier way to get more exposure for AEW, but it also gets more people signing up for the app. And then once you're on there, maybe there's going to be other things that you want to watch because I know they're trying to build up their portfolio there. They have a lot of soccer on there, and I believe you have to pay for the soccer, but it's probably on a match-by-match basis. They do have some other shows, like if you're into sports talk radio, like Dan Patrick's show is on there, Rich Eisen's show is on there, and both of those are free to watch. So um, it's just a, it, it's a way for Bleacher Report to try to get more people to sign up for the app and to use it um, and see what else is on there and, and maybe watch some of the other programming that they have. And the app works great. I got to give it credit. It, it, I streamed to a Chromecast or whatever it was I was watching. No problem. So it's a, it's a well-functioning app. Sometimes the uh, WWE Network app gives me issues. So yeah, no, I think it's a smart way to do it and keep your fans engaged over the summer. While ratings are lagging for Raw, let's tune over here to the Bleacher Report app and watch um, what's happening with this new promotion AEW, right? So fun times. So Brian, um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so glad you're here because otherwise it would have just been me talking into the screen for for three hours. And um, I'm nobody sorry wants- I scared off Matt Morgan. I mean, I I know Matt and I, we go back to our days when I was in Central Florida around him. And um, I thought we got along, but I, apparently there's some heat there. I don't know. And for the record, Brian and Matt uh, do know each other outside this podcast, so Matt is not avoiding Brian if anybody is avoiding me, but I I think his technical issues are legit. Technology tonight. is avoiding Matt Morgan tonight. Brian, you've been doing some great interviews. Don't let me forget to plug these real quick. Um, for Sporting News, Brian does cover wrestling for Sporting News, does live blogs of their events. Uh, who have you been interviewing and who are you going to be interviewing up soon? I don't know who I'm going to be interviewing soon because a lot of these have happened last minute, but um, lately I have talked to uh, talked to Samoa Joe this week for a few minutes. I did speak with uh, Lacey Evans and I got to speak with Adam Cole um, just a couple of days after he won the uh, NXT championship. And uh, you can find that on sporting news. If you go to the website there, you can choose the WWE section or just follow me on Twitter at Brian Fritz. And I put the links up there and it's probably the easiest way to find them. And you got a little thing called a podcast that you're still doing after 30 or 40 years in the wrestling industry, Brian. What is it? Something like that. I don't know if I'm <laughs> that old. Well, yeah. um, but yeah, everybody can listen to the uh, Between the Ropes podcast and you can uh, subscribe and listen uh, wherever you uh, get your podcasts at. Awesome. Want to thank everybody who joined us live tonight to watch us in the post game show here on YouTube. Please click that subscribe button if you like what we did here. Give us that thumbs up so Raj doesn't fire me. He can't fire Brian. It doesn't work for Raj. Also, if you're listening via audio, we appreciate you there as well. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Dogcatcher, if that's still a thing, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can stream us live, not live, but you can stream us without subscribing via all those channels as well. MySpace, GeoCities, all of those places. You can do all of that as well. And if you don't mind, we appreciate it so much if you give us one of those five-star reviews on any of the places you do stream us. I am Michael Wiseman. Most of the time, you'll find me during the week on the Winkly with Nick Hosman. I'll be back later this week to do some more talking about the news there. And um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at the real Wiseman. Thank you guys. We'll catch you right next time right here on wrestling Inc.